Welcome to the Fix Yourself First workshop. And since this is a workshop, that means rather than listening, everybody in here is going to have to do a little work. And who is it we're going to be working on? Oh, very good, very good. That's good. I'm glad you didn't point at me. We're working on you. This comes right out of the mouth of Jesus, Matthew chapter 7, verse 3. And why worry about the speck that is in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help get rid of the speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. Now, this is Jesus talking. That word means a person who pretends to be better than you really are. He says, first, get rid of the log in your own eye. First, 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 fix yourself first. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck that is in your friend's eye. Fix yourself first. Well, what if you're not self-aware? What if you don't realize the problems that you have? What if you don't understand that you have a big old log in your eye? Well, that's where I come in. I'm going to tell you. Now, what I'm going to do is I am going to talk to every person in this room, and I am going to tell you why you can't be in a long-term relationship with your family member or loved ones without driving them a little nuts. You can't. I don't care how good you think you are. You are, listen to me, driving your closest loved ones a little nuts. And you're doing it today. That is, look at them. Look at, that is why they look like they look. So I'm going to give you the first question, and because it's the first question and this is the workshop to kick this two-week series off, I'm also going to give you the answer to this question, okay? So here's the answer. The answer, or the out loud answer is this, no. That's the answer, and I want some emphasis placed on the no. I want the no. <laughs> no. I want you to emphasize this out loud. I didn't say it was the correct answer. It's the answer that I want from you, though. To kick this thing off, here we go. Get ready for your answer. Does your mate ever do anything that drives you mind-numbingly crazy? Okay. I got you all to lie in church first thing this morning. Well, ladies, I'm going to give all of you a treat. But ladies, I am going to tell your husbands this morning what he is doing that is about to drive you right over the edge. Okay? There we go, girls. That's what I'm going to do. I am going to tell your guys what you've been telling them for years that they do not listen to because you have a female voice. You do understand that after being married to a woman for so many years that we can tune out a female voice. Who was that Charlie Brown? That Charlie Brown character, every time that his parents talk, it was just wah, 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 wah right? Mm -hmm. So we do have the ability. I, you think we do, but we, and nobody ever admitted it to you. We really do. We can absolutely turn you right out. But I'm going to tell them in a male voice exactly what it is they're doing that drives you nuts. Okay? And then men, my brothers, my testosterone-filled brotherhood. Well, maybe not as much as you used to have, but we're still okay. <laughs> my guy buddies in here, I'm about to tell your wives what it is that they are doing that secretly would have you wanting to sleep on the top of your house rather than go inside it. <laughs> Do you know that scripture? 
The Bible says that there's times when a man would rather sleep on the top of his house than to go inside his house with his own wife. I am going to tell your wives what it is that they are doing that secretly is causing you to want to sleep on top and not in the house. Now, I know what you guys are thinking. A thought just came to your head. Yeah, good luck with that, Hooper. Good luck with that. But here's the difference between me and you. They're your wives. They're not my wives. And I am not afraid of them because they're my sisters. And I'm not afraid of my sisters that are in this house. Well, most of you. I'm not not afraid of most of you. Some of you scare me a little bit. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you about this. In case you can't see it, I am going to point it out to you myself and explain to you this log you're walking around with while you're griping at your husband, your wife, or friend, or somebody else. Okay, I'm going I'm to be talking about that. Now, this is going to be a lot of fun. This is going to be a lot of fun. Not for you, but I'm going to have a, I'm going to, I'm going to really enjoy this. Now, I want to give you a warning. Don't try this at home. I am a professional, and I have a license to do this. You say, come on, Pastor. No, really. Do you know the Bible has a lot to say to you guys, and the Bible has a lot to say to pastors? The Bible gives pastors specific instructions. So I have a license to overlook the log in my own eyes and talk about yours for a minute. Okay, throw it up there, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. Preach the word of God, be prepared, whether the time is favorable or not, or the people want to hear it or not. Patiently correct, what's the next word? God told me to do this. And the word rebuke says to criticize or reprimand somebody usually sharply. <laughs> and encourage your people with what? Now that might be a stretch, but we're going to give it a shot. But first thing we have to do in this workshop is we have to find out who you are. That is your one and only assignment today before you leave here, before you come back next week. You've got to know who you are. You have to know how God knits you together. Now, I can't tell you. You have to tell us. And not only that, you have to tell your mate. Here's something really important. If you're going to have a marriage at last, listen, you've got to tell your mate who it is that God created in you. And then she's got to stop trying to change you to be somebody that he did not create. Please, ladies, listen to me. It is not your job to change your husband. You did not create him. You don't get to say who he is. He gets to tell you who he is. You get to discover it. But then it is his job to be who God made him to be. And it's your job to be who God made you to be. But you don't get to change anybody else. But it would help us all if you just tell us who you are. So we don't have to take years to figure it out or you trick us. You bait and switch. So what we got to do today is we got to know who are you? How did God knit you together in your mother's womb? Psalms 139 verse 13 is the verse. You made all the delicate inward parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Now if I were to ask you, how did he make you? Uh, When it comes to your body type, that would be an easy one. How did God make you? Well, you stand in front of the mirror and go, hmm, I'm taller than most, or I'm shorter than most, or I guess that's an average height. I mean, how many different body types do you think there are anyway? Do you think there are hundreds? Would you be surprised to find out there's about 12? Female, male, take a look at a female. That's basically the six female body types, right? Let's see the male ones, male, here they are, here you go. That's a little more, 
well, why is that one funny? And the other one wasn't funny. But really, we, we men break it down simpler than that. You're basically skinny, you're fat, or you're fit. That's it. But if you want to break it all down, you basically have 12, 12 different body types you can choose from, right? But what if I were to ask you, what's your temperament? How did God wire you together when it comes to your temperament? Now, your temperament is your disposition, your personality, your makeup, or your sense of humor. Here's the definition. It is a prevailing or dominant quality of mind that characterizes a person. Now, you might think, well, that's a little more difficult because there's probably hundreds of them, right? Wrong. You know how many there are? About 12. Every person on this planet fits into a temperament of about 12 different ones. Now, there are four basic ones, but you're basically a blend of a couple of them. Now, if you've ever heard teaching on this in the past, I want to ask you if you would to not think about the teaching you've heard, not think about the numbers you've pulled in the past. I want you to start with a blank slate with me this morning because I'm going to draw it out a little differently for you and go a little bit deeper than you, than you ever have before. And I also want you to know that there's no temperament that's really better than the other. So as I mention these temperaments, don't think, well, I wish I was that other than that. No, you are who God made you, and you're not going to be something else. Listen to me. If you are an introvert, you will forever be an introvert. I'm not talking shy. But if your temperament is that of being introvertish, then you will not become that politician with a microphone in your hand leading a whole bunch of people. And if you are an extrovert, you will never sit down and shut up. <laughs> Ever. So men, stop trying to tell her to do that because she's not going to do it. God created this. You can't be 6'4 and go, I like to be 5'10 now. You can't be 5'11. Well, I want to be 6'5. You, you can't do that. You are what God made you to be. The question is, do you know the temperament in which God made you? Because it's so incredibly important if you're going to have a relationship that lasts for the long run. So let's just take them together. Let's start with the extrovert relationships. Let's throw the first one up on the side screen. This is the sanguine, the sanguine personality, the warm, the lively, the fun-loving temperament. This is the people person, and to a sanguine, life is about people, and life is about fun. Get them up here for me. Here we go. So you're a people person if you are a sanguine. When you come into a room, they usually have a tendency to lift the spirits of everybody else that is present. Next quality, they never lack for friends. These people never lack for friends. People just want to be around you. You are a people magnet. Third one, they they genuinely feel the joys and the sorrows of others. Feeling to a, this person is a very, very big thing. They lead with feelings and emotions. They have a great capacity to make others feel important. And you know why? Because they feel like other people are important. That's why. Here's the next one. They, have a, uh, they, uh, they do not like solitude. Let me give you this. Let me break this down for you for a minute. we got like 29 people on staff here at the church. And every one of them have an office, or they share an office, or this out of the other. You can always tell your sanguine staff members from everybody else. Their office door is never closed. And if they have one or two people in their office, which they always will, their office door is always open for more people to join them. They normally never stay in their office. Matter of fact, you want to know where our sanguine staff members are? They're in the lobby with a laptop in their lap, working with people buzzing all around them all the time. They are a person that cannot stand solitude. 
They are the life of the party. They don't go anywhere unnoticed. They are never at a loss for words. They usually enter the room talking. And they keep the conversation going. Perfect example of a sanguine in the Bible is Simon Peter. You take a look at him in the scripture. Every time he appeared in the gospels, he did so talking. Every time. So are you a sanguine? We'll get back to that. The next temperament is a choleric. This is the hot, quick, active, practical, and strong-willed temperament. To the choleric, life is activity. This is the action-oriented person. They easily make decisions for themselves and well as for others. So if you're indecisive, they will tell you what to do. They stimulate their environment. They do not have to be stimulated by their environment. It makes no difference where they're at. They're going to stimulate the environment in which they they are in. They are ambitious, they are practical, and they make sound, instant decisions. They do not vacillate or waver under pressure. Matter of fact, they're better under pressure. Give a cleric a deadline, boom, they're on it. They were bored before they had the deadline. Uh, they are not frightened by adversity. Matter of fact, they, adversity tends to, to encourage them a little bit. They have this dogged determination and often succeed where others fail. Now, the reason why they succeed where others fail is not because they have a better plan or because they're smarter. It's just when they get knocked down and they fail, they don't know that they fail. They keep getting back up again, and they don't know when to quit. If they are a choleric, they win because they never, ever quit, right? And they are sometimes called born leaders. Now, a biblical example of this would be the Apostle Paul. Acts chapter 17, the people of a town where he was preaching stoned him. At first they said, whoa, you're a God. And he went, whoa, whoa, shut that up. I'm a mere man like the rest of you. Don't you be calling me a God. They got mad at him and they stoned him. So they went from hero to zero like that. They hit him with rocks. They stoned him. They thought he was dead. They picked his body up. They carried him outside the city and they dumped him in a road. His disciples were standing around and going, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do with Paul now? Paul gets back up, shakes himself off, says, come on, fellas, goes back into the same town where they just hit him with rocks and starts preaching to him again. Nobody but a cleric would ever do something like that. That's the apostle Paul, the cleric. Now we get to the introvert temperaments. The first one is the melancholy. The melancholy is the analytical, self-sacrificing, gifted, perfectionistic temperament. And to them, life needs to be organized. All of it. Our country, our home, the workplace, you. Let me fix you because you're a mess and I'm here to organize you. To them, they are perfectionistic. They have a very sensitive, emotional nature. Take a look at this. No one enjoys the fine arts, music, theater, than the, than the melancholy. They are prone to be more introvert. Now, they're so gifted that they can actually push themselves out of this introvert box and play in an extrovert box for a period of time if needed to. They are very faithful friends. Do you see that? But they don't make friends very easily. They will not push themselves forward and meet people, but they let people come to them. And if you're willing to do the work to be a friend of a melancholy, you will have a very loving, wonderful friend for the rest of your life. But you've got to do the work to make it happen. Uh, they're extremely dependable. They are perhaps the most dependable of all the temperaments. They love deeply and have a strong desire to be loved deeply. They analyze possible dangers ahead in projects, and they're usually right about their, anal uh, their analysis. They usually have a very high cue, and they will not settle for anything less than the best. 
and they are extremely well organized. Melancholies don't lose stuff. Matter of fact, they know where everything's at. And if they don't know where something's at, they panic. Biblical examples, all the prophets of the Old Testament, Solomon was a melancholy, and the beloved apostle John was a melancholy. Are you? Let me give you the fourth one. Phlegmatic. The phlegmatic temperament is the calm, cool, slow, easygoing, and well-balanced temperament. To them, life needs to just calm down. People need to relax. They are the happy, unexcited, and pleasant temperament. They are calm and easygoing. They have a high, a very high boiling point, meaning that they seldom explode in anger or in laughter. Hmm. They are consistent every time that you see them. Their mood is always the same. I said this about one phlegmatic that I know, and it was a female. I said, this, this, I know females that are erratic, and then they're crying, and then they're crying. This, no offense, I'm just saying, I know them, you do too. This particular female like this all the time. It, it didn't matter when it was. She just was consistent. She's phlegmatic. She was calm, cool. She was just consistent when it came to her mood. Here's another one. They are very kind-hearted and they're sympathetic. They can feel what other people feel. They feel much more emotion than it appears on the outside. So if they're angry, you can't tell it by looking at their face. If they're ecstatic and super excited and it's a Bronco game, you wouldn't know who they're a fan of. They're just, they're just kind of there. You know what I'm saying? They, have a, they enjoy people. They have a dry sense of humor. They can usually get a crowd in stitches and never crack a smile themselves. Do you know anybody like this? I mean, they're really, really funny, but they don't really show it on the outside of their face, but yet you're dying laughing because something came out of their mouth. When once stimulated to action, they are competent and they are efficient. They are very gracious. They are reserved and they are kind. They are peacemakers. They don't like drama. And a matter of fact, they won't stay around places where you create a lot of drama. They're going to slip out, and they're going to be gone. They're going to leave the party. They love to fulfill the dreams of others, and here's a good one. They are annoyed by sanguines. <laughs> Biblical example, Abraham. Okay, let's do a little test. This is the workshop. Ready? So I gave you the four basic ones. Now, remember, you are a blend of two, so you're not just one. Very rare to find a person who's solid choleric. Very uh, difficult to find a person just, just melancholy. What are you? Well, I'm melancholy. You're melancholy what? Because you're not just melancholy. God, please tell me you're not a 40-point melancholy. You will kill all the rest of us. You've got to be something else. Right? So let me ask you a question. How many of you, and think, so you're, you're a choleric sanguine, sanguine choleric, melancholy phlegmatic, you're a phlegmatic sanguine, whatever. But I'm going to take the first four. So if you consider yourself dominant in an area of this temperament, of a sanguine. You are a people person. You are outgoing. You don't ever meet a stranger. You come into the room. You have no problem talking. You are a sanguine personality. Would you raise your hand? Just slip it up real high. Okay, great, 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 great. I don't know if you saw this or not, but when I started to say that, some of you didn't even wait for the answer. You, oh, yeah, I'm a sanguine. That's me. I'm right there, right there. I don't know what the rest of you are doing, but here I am. Hands up, and look how high it is. See how high it is? What about a choleric? You're the person that has to have <laughs> it has to have an activity going all the time. You drive other people crazy because you are constantly on the move. Sit still, read a book. Honey, why don't you watch TV with me? No, no, baby, I got something to do. And you're constantly doing something. You're running something. Give me the ball. Give me the ball. 
If there's ever a problem, I'm closing the distance on the problem while you're hiding under a chair. Just give me the ball. If you're a cleric, would you raise your hand? Okay, you notice that? Notice how strong that was? Yeah, right here. Yeah. Little flex of the bicep when I had that up. You see that? Phlegmatic. Phlegmatic. Are you phlegmatic? You're peaceful. You're kind. You're loving. If you are an individual that has to have low drama, would you raise your hand? So I love that you phlegmatics. I saw some of you in the back. You say, yeah, and on the inside, you're thinking, yeah, I'm a phlegmatic. Somebody finally nailed it. Somebody finally got me figured out. Woo, that's what I am. I'm a phlegmatic. Raise your hand. (laughs) Melancholy. Perfectionist. Everything's organized. Your purse, oh my gosh, your purse looks like a filing cabinet. You got slide in here. got this. I can reach in there blindfolded and pull out my cell phone. There's my keys right there. There's my credit card. Wait a minute, wait a minute. That's the visa. There's the American Express right there. Because they're always where I put them. Your house looks like some magazine's about to come over and take pictures. All the time. If you're a melancholy, would you raise your hand? Now, all the melancholies waited until I got finished with the answer, the question, because you wanted to make sure this wasn't a trick question before you raised your hand. Isn't that something? Well, you really aren't just one. The truth of the matter is you're a blend of a couple of different ones. And uh, this is how that works. I am a choleric sanguine. I am a, there's 40 points actually to this test that you can take. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I, I'm a cleric sanguine. I am a, I am a 29 point choleric geeter done. 10 point sanguine with people and have some fun, okay? One point melancholy. That's it. I have zero phlegmatic points in me. Zero, okay? So I am a choleric sanguine. I am a person that wants to get things done with people. If you are a choleric melancholy, you want to get things done with perfection. If you are a choleric phlegmatic, you want to get things done with peace. Does that make sense? And every one of them, you know, complement another. However, did you hear what I said about the flagwigs being phlegmatics being bugged by sanguines? Did you hear that? Okay. Now, You're seeing where I'm going here when it comes to your loved ones and having long-term relationships in a moment. But the phlegmatics are bugged by sanguines, okay? I am a choleric sanguine. Every one of you have other temperaments that bug you. They naturally bug you. They will forever bug you, and you may have married them. And then you gave birth to a bunch that's got your positives and weaknesses, and his positives and weaknesses, and they're running around you reminding you of what bugs you when he's at work. (laughs) It's getting real in here, isn't it? See, you're not crazy. I'm a choleric sanguine. Do you you know the temperament that bugs me the most? A sanguine choleric. You say, well, that is so close. It's like the flip ratio of what you are. You think you guys would get along? We don't get along. 
because I'm a choleric sanguine. I want to get things done, stay focused, oh yeah, and we'll have a little fun. A sanguine choleric wants to have a whole lot of fun. Doesn't matter if you stay focused and it'll get done. I want to strangle that person. And I can't help it. Every one of us have these incredible positive things that we got going on in our life. And every one of us has got weaknesses too. Now since you identified yourself, I'm going to go ahead and tell you your weaknesses. Now I had to have you identify yourself first because if I gave you your weaknesses before you identified yourself, you wouldn't have raised your hand. So all those use wonderful, great people, person, persons. Let me share your weaknesses. Now, I'm taking the Holy Spirit out of this, and I'm just talking about you as a temperament on a good day and a bad day. When you're feeling good and you're energetic, or when you're tired and you're worn out. Okay, so this, you may not suffer with all of these, but if you're a sanguine, you can be impractical and disorganized. You can forget your resolutions, appointments, and obligations. You can seem unstable. You often talk too much and you speak without thinking. They always enter the room mouth first. One of the world's great procrastinators is the sanguine. Can't balance your checkbook because they can't find their checkbook. <laughs> Have you ever seen a sanguine accountant? Ever. Name one. Meet a CPA, honest to goodness, if they're an extrovert, that means they're staring at your shoes and not their own. That's what that means for an accountant. That's funnier than you guys. <laughs> I, did a, I did a wedding of a couple of CPAs a few months back, and it was so funny. And, uh, and I found out that uh, the whole group that was at the wedding were CPAs. I think I was the only non-CPA that was in the wedding, and I'm doing the wedding, and I'm making fun of both couples. I'm making fun of them. We're laughing. We're having fun. And then I got to thinking, after this wedding, there's going to be a party with a whole bunch of CPAs. And I thought, you know what? I can't stay awake for that party. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Sanguines. Huh. Cholerics. How many of you are cholerics? Raise your hand. Yeah, some of you are like, no, I'm not doing it. <laughs> they do not sympathize easily. Little appreciation for fine arts. Now, who was it that loved the fine arts? Melancholies. So if you're a melancholy married to a cleric, he's going with his buddies while she goes to the theater. You all with me? They can run over people. <laughs> he just said like a Mack truck. <laughs> and she's the choleric. As parents, we can be very hard on our children. Back up, boss. You can be too domineering and bossy. You can be too self-sufficient. We always tell Bible teachers, if you've got a choleric kid in your Sunday school class, get them saved before they're in the fifth grade. Because when they become an adult, they think they don't, they don't need God. Uh, they can attack projects rather than enjoy projects. 
You ever look at a cleric's lawn? Their shrubs will be the lowest, littlest, smallest shrubs on the street. Because they have cut those suckers down now. <laughs> You're funny. And details, details can easily bore them. Oh, this is going to kill us. They will start new projects before the last one is completed. Oh, good Lord. This is one of my wife's. My wife is a 30-point melancholy, 7-point phlegmatic, 3-point choleric. My wife's, my wife's idea of a job being done is that it is never truly done. <laughs> Come on, get with me on this. So while I'm moving on to the, I'll get something 80, 90% done. I've got my mind on the next job and the next one after that. So I'm moving on to the next job and, oh, no, no, no. My wife's job, no, it's not done yet. I always love it when subcontractors come over to our house because I'll get three bids. I handle all that stuff. I need three bids. Give me your best bid. Come on in here. And the subcontractors will come in, and one of them will give me, oh, Pastor Hooper, love to do this work for you. And I go, you, you think? And then I hand the subcontractor over to Anna. And where they thought, I'm going to get this job done and get out of here. I'm going to get it done, get out of here, get my money. <laughs> that ain't going to happen, is it? Because they're going to come in, they're going to get the job done the way they think it's going to be done. And then Anna's going to say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. They're right here. And then they're going to get a call back in a week after we had really a chance to examine it. And I'm just giving my evil laugh. <laughs> right? And they end up loving her because she's phlegmatic. So they love her. But if somebody comes and does something for us, oh, my gosh, they are going to earn their money. Melancholy weaknesses, prone to be suspicious. They can exaggerate obstacles that are in the way. They can place unrealistic demands on others. Oh, look at this. Phlegmatic weaknesses. Difficult to convey their true feelings. You can never know what they're thinking or what they're feeling by looking at their face. They're prone to being passive-aggressive. Huh? They're prone to criticize and ridicule others, and they can have gloomy moods. So what are you? The truth is you have a lot of positives and you have some weaknesses. There is a personality profile test. By the way, all this comes right out of Dr. Tim LaHaye's book. Tim LaHaye, remember him? He was a co-author of, thank you, Left Behind. Uh, but anyway, you can go to his website and actually take this test on the website. If you take it on his website, it's $35 to take it on the website. Uh, we found these online for $1.30. So the very same test, you don't get the books he offers, $1.30. So I, I'm going to have 100 of these. That's all I got. That's 100 of these are going to be back in the back. And uh, you, can, you can take these. You can, you can get one. Just get one per family. I only got 100. So get it, share it, mark it up, whatever. So after, if they're still back there, just go, I want one of those tests. Do you still have one? Pick one of these up and, and find out. Because next week when you come back, you need to, have, you need to know two things. You are a what what, right? You're, you need to tell me if you're, what you're, you're a what what, right? So let me help you a little bit more in case, you, in case you don't get to take the test. I'm going to do it Jeff Foxworthy style. If you own more than one label maker, you might be a sanguine. Huh? Oh, I'm sorry. You might be a melancholy. You're right. Thank you, melancholy. I appreciate you correcting me. 
if you love if you love to take more than one people in your car to lunch because you can't stand the thought of eating lunch by yourself, yet when you get in the car, you can't find your car keys. You might be a sanguine. If you took your Christmas decorations down on Christmas night, because after all the holidays over and you need to get going into the new year, you might be a choleric. And if you are more excited about this year than any other year in your life, yet you are the only one that knows it. <laughs> you, you might be a phlegmatic. So we're offering you this test. We hope you pick it up. I'm wrapping it up now. And I can tell you, who's gonna, I'll tell you what's going to happen back there at the back, okay? Cholerics won't take this test. And you know why? Because you already figured it out. You know what you are. Why do you need to take a test? You know what you are. Next question. Next. Cleric. Sanguins will take this. <laughs> Sanguins will take this test. You will go back there. You will gather with two or three people. You'll say, hey, you guys, let's get a few tests. We'll go to Starbucks in the morning. It'll be 9 o'clock. 9 o'clock at Starbucks in the morning. We'll take it together. It'll be fun. We'll ask a question. You answer the question. We'll see if that we all agree on it. It'll be a kick. Nine o'clock in the morning rolls around, you won't be at Starbucks. <laughs> you'll be updating your social media stuff. 9.20, you'll roll into Starbucks without your test because you will have lost it in your filthy car. And you'll have to borrow one from a melancholy. Phlegmatics will take the test. But you will stand back there when the tests are being passed out and you will find out, did everybody else get a test? Did you get your test? How about you? Did you get your, Doc, did you get your test? Everybody got their test? Okay, is there any left? Any left? I'll, for me, I'll, I'll take one. I'll take it. I'll take it. You'll take the test, as long as everybody else took the test, because you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Melancholies, oh, God, they will take the test. And once they take this test, they will put the numbers of the test in their phone, and they will record it. Or, better than that, you got the mind. You'll, you'll memorize it, and you will know it till Jesus comes. And then you are not done with the test yet. You will then take this piece of paper that you have already recorded all the data that you could possibly record off of it, and you will put it in a brand new file folder. And you will put a label on that file folder in which you created with a... <laughs> Here's the bottom line. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And at the end of the day, you bring a wonderful, wonderful and positive attributes to the table. And we need you in our lives. We do. We need the phlegmatics in our family just to calm things down. We need the melancholies to keep it organized and keep the checkbook right and let us know how much money we got here and there and what the investments are doing. We need the clerics that will drive us forward and say, hey, man, let's get this done. Let's make this investment. Let's flip a home. Let's do something. And we need the sanguines to keep fun in all of it. We do. So if we need each other so badly, why do we bug each other so much? Hmm. The truth of the matter is you've got a lot of positives you bring to the table, but you've got a lot of quirky things you bring to the table too. Take a look. Let me remind you. But the, the kicker here is that you and I, 
We can enjoy each other positive, and then I don't have to see you for a week. I don't even maybe have to know about your quirks because we're not together enough. But your family members, your loved ones, don't get that privilege. You go home with them, and they get your positives, and they get your little quirky negatives. I told a couple the other day that I was dealing with, because they're both great, I said, look, I wouldn't want to be married to either one of you. So please stay together and save the rest of humanity ever having to be in your presence for a lifetime. And you might say this. You might say, well, look, I, th- I know my, what I need. I just need to trade in my whole batch of loved ones for a whole nother new batch of loved ones. And here's the problem with that. It doesn't fix the log in your eye. And even though it might be good for a little while, you can't hide you're crazy forever. (laughs) Continue this conversation. Talk about it. Find out who you are. Get your numbers down. We'll talk more next week.